listening to the Sunday Sermon Podcast of Grace Life Church in Middleburg, Florida. You can find more information about our church at thegracelifechurch.org and be sure to subscribe to our podcast for weekly biblical content. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, Take your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 6. It is really good to be back with you guys today. Like, it feels forever since I have been here. It's only, I've only missed two weeks, but it feels much longer than that. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I'm glad to be back. Thank you, Christy, for that encouragement. Um, two weeks ago was our birthday Sunday. We were celebrating our ninth birthday since our church uh, had our first service. And while y'all worshipped here together, I was laid out flat on my couch wishing I was here. I did it. I tried so hard to be here, and Julie, Saturday night, I'd given Pastor Ben the heads up and just, thank you, Pastor Ben, for stepping in last minute and um, sharing God's word. I know it was such an encouragement, um, getting the text messages throughout Sunday, and so thank you, but I had given him the heads up Saturday that I'm like, hey, you just need to kind of prepare to be ready to go, and Julie said, if if this was any other Sunday, would you have, I said, I've already, I would have already called it, but I, I wanted so badly to be here with you guys to celebrate God's faithfulness towards our church. And then last week I had a pre-planned conference that I was attending and it just, two weeks in a row, it feels like, um, someone mentioned it to me the other day, I'm like, I don't feel like I've seen you since all February. And I'm like, I hate missing you guys. I hate not being here. So I'm going to start with how I would have started on birthday Sunday. All right. This is the sermon. Some of you have already told me you tried to pre-fill out the notes. Um, I thought about switching everything up just to just be that person, and, but I didn't. So if you kept that bulletin from two weeks ago, it's still there. Nine years ago, two weeks ago, um, we gathered as a church family for the first time. Officially, we had done a couple preview services, but officially we gathered for a Sunday morning worship at Lake Asbury Elementary School. Our goal when we planted this church was to proclaim the grace of God to every life in our community. And since then, there have been ups, and there have been some downs, and some weeks it was up, it was down, and you're just, it's a roller coaster of emotions, and, but as we just stretch into longer years, it's hard for me to think nine years we could just look back and look at the faithfulness of God towards our church. I mean, looking out at you guys and seeing you this morning, and for me it was like a lot like Christmas morning. Like, it's not good for my soul to be away from you. So I was thrilled to like get to hug some of you. Some of you didn't want to hug me because you're still not sure if I'm actually okay. I get that, all right? That's fine. Next week, I love you guys. And it's a joy to be your pastor, and to see God's faithfulness in your life has just been remarkable. Because God's been faithful to us every step of the way. Charles Spurgeon, the British pastor during 1800s, has this quote that I keep close to me as a reminder of our church. He says, if I had never joined a church till I found one that was perfect, I should never have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found the perfect church, I would have spoiled it, for it would not have been a perfect church after I had become a member of it. 
still and perfect as it is. And here's what I love about this quote. The church is the dearest place on earth to us. I truly believe that the closest to heaven that we see on this earth is when the local church gathers to worship Jesus. We just sang a song, Behold Our God, seated on the throne. We're gathering from all different backgrounds, all different personalities, different people made in the image of God, gathering to worship Jesus. This is just a glimpse of what heaven is going to be like, where we're gathered around the throne of Jesus, proclaiming, worthy is the Lamb who was slain for us. I mean, think this is what I love about what Jeremy just said. What they're doing in Ethiopia is what we're doing here, and one day we're going to get to do it with them. How wonderful is that going to be? There's nothing like the local church to get to walk together with one another and encourage one another in the ups and the downs to look to Jesus. And I think as we just continue in our study on the Lord's Prayer from the Sermon on the Mount, what if for just a moment today, we looked up to heaven and behold our God seating, sitting on the throne. So much of our life is looking down, looking around. I mean, this world is crazy. There's a lot of just wild stuff happening around us. We have personal things that we're going through where our life is often Feels upside down. So much of our life is looking down and around. But what if for a moment this morning we just looked up to behold our God in heaven? And when Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer, He says to us, when you pray, pray like this, our Father in heaven. So for our time this morning, we're going to look at those two words, in heaven. And look to Jesus this morning. Let's read our text from Matthew 6. We'll begin in verse number 9. And we'll read through verse 15. And then we'll respond to the reading of God's word this morning. Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of the Lord. Father, open our eyes to behold the wonderful truths from your word. Through the name of your son, Jesus, we approach your throne this morning. Through the power of your spirit that dwells within us, help us to behold your greatness, your eternal power, your never-ending love for us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. The first Sunday in February, I know it's a short month, but it, this has been a couple weeks. We began, or we looked at the Lord's Prayer. We had talked about in, a couple weeks ago, Jesus, this call to when you pray, not if you pray. And the, 
the necessity of prayer in our lives and how Jesus shows us how we are to pray. And now he gives us the model prayer and he begins with, when you pray, pray like this. You're not praying exactly like this, but this is kind of a template for us as we approach God in prayer. And he begins with our Father. And we looked, took a whole sermon and just walked through that we, through Jesus Christ, are God's children. We are no longer his enemies, but through his grace, we are his children. He has adopted us as his sons and daughters. How encouraging are those two words? Our Father. That he is not a distant deity. That he is near to his children. He loves us. He has adopted us and made us his own. You're not going to some stranger in prayer. You're not going to someone you don't know or who does not know you. You are going to God, your Father. Jesus says this later on in the Lord's Prayer, or a Sermon on the Mount, excuse me, which, based on how we're going, this may be three years when we get to later on in Matthew chapter 6, right? In Matthew 6, 26-30, Jesus says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you being anxious, Anybody ever feel anxious? I mean, yeah, all right. And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus is taking this moment to show us how much our Father in heaven loves us, how much he is near to us, how much he cares for us. He has, we have his full attention. Uh, This past week as I was traveling, I had to interact with a person. And it wasn't in passing, it was we needed to have a conversation. And they had um, Apple AirPods in. And it was this moment, I'm like, I've become an old man. Where now I'm like, can you please just take the, I'm talking to you. Like, I don't, are you talking to me? I don't know. Like, I was like, what are we doing here? Can we, can you just give me just a little bit of attention while we're having this conversation? Like, take them out, let's just, let's just communicate for just a moment. And it was just, I don't know if they were even listening to anything. But I knew, just from looking at their eyes, they did not care that I was right there in their presence. This is not God our Father. He welcomes His children. We see this Jesus in His earthly ministry welcomed His people closely. He shows us how much He cares for us. He is not distracted, which is remarkable because if we're all praying at one time, God's not like, hold on, Matt. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to Tim right now. Can you please... No, he, every one of us can go to God, and God is right there present with us. That should bring us delight and joy that our Father doesn't just push us aside because he's too busy or distracted. He welcomes us in. But let me issue this warning. The father-child relationship that we have with God, which is wonderful, and I'm having a hard time not just keep talking about it right now. We've got to get through this, these two words in heaven. 
This relationship that we have with God as Father must never cross into irreverence. He is also the God of heaven. Do you ever try, when you were younger, everybody, I think, tries it just once, all right? Will you try to call your parents by their first name? Anybody ever try that? Some of you are like, absolutely not. I know what would happen. <laughs> I remember the one time I did. I thought it was a moment where I could just sneak it in there and it would be funny. We were all talking. I, I, I may have been Colton's age, 11, 12. And we were talking. I said, all right, Greg. You know, and it, was, it was funny, all right? I still to this day, it was not disrespectful. But the look on my dad's face said, you are dead, right? Like it was, I knew I had crossed the line into irreverence. I, I had this great relationship with my dad. Yeah, it's great. And then crossed the line, okay? I've never done that since, okay? Well, I'm not even going to try. This is what we must be careful when we are talking to God. I think we understand he is our father, but he is the high king of heaven. Creator our Almighty, our Father in Heaven is great and exalted and eternally majestic. There's a striking balance <coughs> to see God as our Father, but also as the Sovereign King of Heaven. There must be an awe of who God is when we approach Him in prayer. One author st states, if God as our Father shows us His grace and goodness, then God in heaven speaks of his greatness, majesty, and authority. We're seeing the full character of God on display with Jesus' first few words, our Father in heaven. Shows us not only just the relationship that we have with him, but the, relation, the, the power and majesty that he has over all things. One of the most descriptive passages concerning God is found in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. I want you to just to sit in what Isaiah is describing to us for a moment. Isaiah says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, which two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew, and one was called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of Him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. You just sit for a moment, and what Isaiah is seeing is not just some casual glimpse of God. But when he sees God, the only response that he has is, Woe is me, I don't belong here. I am a sinner. God is holy. He sees the beauty and majesty of God. 
We approach our God in heaven, not from a casual position, but with awe and wonder. You see it throughout the Old Testament. When, he, when people encountered the living God, they would fall on their, their hands and their, their feet and head towards the ground. They'd take off their shoes because they were unworthy to be in the presence of God. Yet, through Jesus, God welcomes us into his presence. What if our view of God was elevated to see his greatness this morning? What if we stopped, instead of looking around, to behold the great majesty of our King of kings and Lord of lords? I believe this is what Jesus wants us to understand when he says, our Father in heaven. We're not praying to some deity that's on a shelf. We're praying to the creator of God sitting on the throne who is holy, holy, holy and there is no one like him. There is no one else that compares to our Father in heaven. Jesus' reference to our Father in heaven helps us see that no man-made God that we're bowing to or could bow down to comes even close to who God is. We just read this in our catechism question, which is great because we wouldn't have done this a couple weeks ago, where God says, there should be no other gods before me, for one, because there's no one like me. Here's what Deuteronomy 4.39 says. Know therefore today and lay it into your heart. This is just instruction for us. Know this today. Apply it deep to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. There is no other or Psalm 97.9, For you, O Lord, are most high above all the earth. You are exalted far above all the gods. There is no one like our God. Can you pause for a moment and just think about the things that you have elevated to some majestic importance greater than God? For one, it will never reach that level of weight and glory. Yet in our sin, we think our own sin, we've elevated it, we've elevated others, we've elevated materials or, or wealth. We serve those things instead of the God in heaven. But nothing, nothing compares to God. How many of you love music? How many of you have a favorite artist that you enjoy listening to? All right? And usually they have a, a song that you, you love, okay? Now, when you hear that song covered by another band, is it the same? It is never the same. Every once in a while you'll get someone that's like, okay, that's a nice rendition. But usually it's, it's the original band, the original artist that, that has the, the greatness of the music. And then when some random Joe in some random little place tries to cover it, you're like, you probably should find a different job, right? <laughs> like when we're singing in the car or in the shower or wherever you are when you sing, and you're like, I could do it too, all right? I, I could hang with, and you can't, right? Just, just it's okay. You sound great in the shower to yourself. When others hear it, sometimes it's not great. Now, our praise team, on the other hand, they're great, okay? 
All right? I love them. There's a reason I don't sing up here, because I would ruin worship for us, okay? Because nothing compares to the original. Nothing compares to God. Nothing compares to God. And we, in our selfishness and pride, think maybe we can elevate ourselves, or there's something in our life that we think, this is good, this is great. It'll never compare to God. I mean, what is it that makes God so great? What, it, what makes it, what is it that makes him so wonderful? And we could spend weeks talking about all his attributes or his characteristics and all the things that he's done. But it all lands here. Our Father in heaven is sovereign over all things. He is sovereign over all things. God's sovereignty is one of the most important tenets of the Christian faith. If God is not sovereign, then he cannot be God. R.C. Sproul said, There are no maverick molecules in a universe where God is sovereign. Everything is under God's rule and reign. The word sovereignty is not found in the Bible. It's like the word trinity. The word's not there, but the teaching, the truth, the concept of it is found in the Bible. And we use a word like sovereignty to help us understand what the Bible is teaching. It means, it refers to someone who has supreme power and authority. We see this all throughout Scripture, where God has supreme power and authority. He is supremely overruling and has authority over creation. As we just read, Jesus says that he clothes the grass. He feeds the birds. I mean, God didn't just let it go. I mean, he's actively working in his creation because it's under his rule. He exercises his authority in our lives. He is the king. He is in control of all things. And his presence with his people is seen in our lives. I mean, even the greatest of rulers don't even have the power that God has. We see it in Exodus chapter 3, when he's dealing with Pharaoh. He says, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. Or Psalm 103, 19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. All means what? All. If something is outside of that reign, then is God supremely authoritative over all things? No. Even our enemy, the devil, who thinks that he's got full reign, has to ask permission from God to do things. And we already know that God's going to throw him into hell for all of eternity. It's not a, I hope God wins in the end. It's already solidified because of what Jesus has done. Even at the birth of Jesus, when we see one of the greatest empires of all of history, the Roman Empire, and yet even how the story is laid out in Luke chapter 2, it shows us that God is actually the one at work. Not the emperor, not the political system. God has placed them there to accomplish his purposes in the world. 
God is not just distant. He is not just passive. He's just not sitting on his lawn chair on the back porch just waiting for this all to come to an end. He's like, all right, got to get back to work. God is actively working to accomplish his purposes in the world and in our lives because he is the sovereign God of all things. Now, there are moments when life doesn't feel like it's in control, right? Have you ever felt like your life is just topsy-turvy? Where it's just maybe upside down? Where things are not going great? Any, can we, anybody ever feel like this? Like we're not alone here. There are moments in our lives where we're not sure what's going on. Where maybe we try to put our own lives in control. Anybody ever try to take control of your own life? How did it work out for you? Sometimes okay. Sometimes we're like, well, I wouldn't do that again. That's for sure. There are moments maybe we question, God, where are you? I, I think I have a, maybe something to help us understand God's rule and reign in our lives. I've got a snow globe here, all right? Now, it's February, and we don't celebrate Christmas in January, so it's kind of hard to find, you know, who has a snow globe still available. So we got this snowman globe that someone let me borrow. Now, if you shake it up, and this one has a button and lights, see? You can see all the, I mean, it's crazy in there, right? Do your life ever feel like this? We're just, I don't know what's going on. You're, you're upside down. You're, you're having health issues, financial crisis. Your marriage is in shambles. The, we can keep going, right? Don't know what you're going to do next week. I mean, this past week, Julie and I, we're like, feel like we're living in the snow globe. But all the stuff that's in there, is it running rampant out of control? It may appear on the inside, but who is it being held by? The snowman, right? It's not a mess everywhere. We're like, man, it's not contained. Our lives may often feel like what's going on inside the snow globe. But when we understand how big and great our God is, we realize, oh, you know what? We're actually in God's hands. We're not actually going anywhere. He has secured us in Christ Jesus. And for a moment, we can look around and see, this is messed up. This is crazy. What am I going to do next? I don't have answers. But we stop and say, my life is in God's hands. He has secured me. And Jesus even tells us that nothing, those of who are in Christ Jesus, nothing can take us out of God's hands. I could take the snow globe, and I won't do this, and I could throw it on the ground, and it would shatter everywhere. Why? Because that snowman doesn't compare to God Almighty. Nothing can destroy our God. Listen, it's okay not to be in control. It's okay. You can lay your head at night and close your eyes and go to sleep because our God never sleeps. He is alive and he is in control over all things. Even when 
We don't know what we're to do. God's sovereignty and his rule in our life is directly connected to several of his holy attributes. For one, our Father in heaven is not Jesus saying, he's, he's up there, okay? All right, good luck getting there. What he's helping us understand is the greatness of our God in heaven means he's also near to us on earth. Yes, the text says God is in heaven, but he's not bound to heaven. He is omnipresent. He's always everywhere. The phrase in heaven is to help us see his majestic rule over all things. The father who loves us is the king who reigns over everything. Our father in hell in heaven tells us that we are praying to a God of intimacy and authority. And both are essential. Look at this. God is omniscient. Omniscient just means he's all-knowing. Matthew 6, 8, right before Jesus gives into the model prayer, Jesus warns us not to be like the Gentiles and the Pharisees. He says, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. We'll look at Psalm 139, 1 through 4. O Lord, you have searched me and known me, known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways, even before a word is on my tongue. Oh Lord, you know it all together. Even before the words are on our tongues, the Lord knows it. He knows when we wake up. He knows when we go to bed. Because he's all-knowing. For me, this means he knows exactly what I'm going through. There are times my earthly father doesn't know what I'm facing. Sometimes it's because I just don't tell him. But because our father is also the sovereign king of heaven, he knows exactly what we're walking through. Through the grief, through the hurt, through the fight against sin, through it all. Jesus knows. His eyes are on you. He's also not just all-knowing. He's also omnipotent. That means God is all-powerful. Psalm 115, 1 through 3. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name we give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness, why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Limitations 3, 37 and 38. Who has spoken and, and it came to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that good and bad come? God is all powerful. Meaning no one can conquer our God. No one can defeat our God. No one reigns over our God. There is no crisis that you're going through that is too big for God. In fact, God says, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you, which also means God is big enough to handle everything we are going through. He does not get overwhelmed or burdened. Oh, here's Matt again with all his problems. 
I don't know if I can handle it this time. No, he welcomes us. Because he's all-powerful. He's so all-powerful that he spoke the world into existence just with his words. Let there be light, and there was light. I love that scripture tells us that. Because every once in a while, just to remind myself that I'm just a mere human and I have really no power at all, I will sit in my room and I will say, turn the light off and it won't happen. Or turn the light on. It doesn't help that Alexa can do this now. All right, so the illustration is getting a little too technologically advanced for us. But the same applies. If I try to turn these lights off, I can't because my words don't have power. God's do. God is omnipresent, which means he is always everywhere. He is with us now, just as he is with our brothers and sisters in Ethiopia. He is with us when we walk out the door. He's not bound to this place here. God is always with us. Psalm 139 is a great chapter. Verse 7 says, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol or the grave, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. There is nowhere you can go on this earth to escape God, which is comforting to us as Christians. That God is present with me. Right now, in this moment, He is with me. Think for a moment on these characteristics of God. Does this mean that God is just some complacent, passive God? Does it help us see for a moment His greatness and majesty? Author J.I. Packer said this, why does this matter essentially to prayer? Why are we talking about this and about prayer? Drab thoughts of God make prayer dull. Maybe the reason we are not on our knees praying to God is because we have never seen him for who he really is. Or maybe we've lost sight of his greatness and majesty. Maybe we've forgotten his great mercy and grace towards us sinners. Maybe we have forgotten that he is present with us. He knows us. Drab thoughts of God make prayer dull. When I look at my own prayer life, it's not, my lack of prayer is often not connected to, I don't know what to say or I'm lazy, often I realize it's because I'm not seeing God for who He really is. The King of Heaven, the Sovereign Creator over all things, who holds all things, Jesus, Colossians 1 tells us that Jesus holds all things in His hands. God is far greater than we could ever imagine. Holy, holy, holy. And He welcomes us into his presence. And to come into his presence with prayer. 
we humbly, that's a key word in this point, humbly come to our sovereign God in prayer knowing that he reigns over all things. See, it's only possible that we can go to the creator God of the universe in prayer. The holy God. It's only possible that sinners can come to God because of Jesus Christ. It is Jesus who welcomes us into the Father's presence. And those who are covered by the righteousness of Jesus, when God, the Father, looks at us, He does not see sinner, He sees the Savior. This is our hope. And why Hebrews 4 says, with confidence, we can go to the throne of God, not because of our own goodness or works. No. But with confidence in what Jesus has done for us. The only way we can access our Father in heaven is because of Jesus. Which should help us see how powerful prayer is to our walk with the Lord. Isaiah 66, 1 through 2 says, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. I mean, that helps us see how big God is, right? He is sitting in heaven, and he's propped his feet up on earth. What is the house that you would build for me? What is the place of my rest? How do you build something big enough for God? All these things my hand has made. All these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. This is what God is looking for in us. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. So when we pray, it is not something that we just do because this is what good Christians do. It's what we do because we understand who God is and what he has done for us. We don't come in pride. We come humbly, knowing that it is a miracle that we can even talk to God Almighty, right? Because of what Jesus has done for us. So when we pray, not if, when, know, Christian, that you are invited into the presence of the sovereign God. He welcomes you to come humbly before him. And here's what we know when we pray and why prayer matters. It's not a, well, if God knows everything, if God's going to do everything, I don't need to pray. No, that actually tells me more about how you actually view God. That you don't see him. I'm coming before you. Lord, I'm placing my life in your hands. I'm placing all of my fears and anxieties, my worries in your hands, because I know you are sovereign and in control over our things, all things. We do not barge in to God's throne room making demands. We come humbly, pleading with the Lord to first off help us see his greatness. Prayer is a wonderful thing, a wonderful gift. A wonderful privilege. Because we pray 
to an all-powerful, always-present, an all-knowing God who knows you by name, who knitted you in your mother's womb, who knows when you lie down, when you lie down, he knows when you get up. He knows the words on your mouth before you speak them. He knows your sinner heart. And he loves you. And he sent his son for you. And now those who are in Christ Jesus, he welcomes us into his presence and he loves to hear from us in prayer. As we close out our time together, what we've been doing in this series is we've just been gathering around in our church with a few people and praying. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but there is a lack of prayer in our churches. We use it as transition times. And often what we, how we learn to pray is by hearing other people pray. Listen, it's, it's a little messy when you get around people and you're just like, I don't know what to pray. I'm not great at this. Listen, that's not what it's about. We just said God loves a humble heart, a heart that just comes before him and says, I need you, God. So if you're a member of Grace Life, just be on the lookout and make sure no one is praying alone. If you want to pray alone, that's fine. We're not pressuring you to pray with anybody. We're not even pressuring you to pray. We just want to encourage and take the time to say, we're not here on our own accord. This is not, church is not something we do. It's something we belong to. And it's only possible because our God in heaven sent his son for us. I want us to be a praying church. Not if we pray, but when we pray. And here's the prayer point. It's in your program, and it's up here on the screen as well. And this is what we could just work through in our prayer. We're going to just take a few moments and pray together. Encourage one another. Let's not have dull thoughts about God. Let's see how great and awesome and wonderful he really is.